0: 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world.
1: Chào các bạn, mình tên là Trần Văn Thắng, mình là một giáo viên tiếng Anh cũng là một giáo viên tiếng Việt đang sinh sống và làm việc tại Thái Bình của Việt Nam. Hi, my name is Jun Ban
2: Tang. I live in Taibin in Vietnam and I teach English and Vietnamese. I started listening to KBS World Radio in
1: 2012. KBS World Radio
2: has been introducing me to Korea's economy, culture, society and more, broadening my understanding of the country. Just as I started to think about visiting Korea, I came across an opportunity to go in 2018. During my week-long stay in Korea, I went to various museums and cultural heritage sites. I was deeply impressed by how Korea takes care and respects its cultural assets. Congratulations, KBS World Radio, on your
1: 70th anniversary. cái
0: cuối chúc mừng kỷ Radio. 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are.
3: Hello, it's Monday the 13th of March and welcome to Korea 24, I'm your host Kwon Jung. North Korea said it test-fired two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine on Sunday, but South Korea's military says it has found discrepancies in the North's claim. We have more in news briefing shortly. Health authorities are set to announce this week whether the remaining COVID-19 mask mandate on public transport and high-risk facilities will be lifted. We discuss for our in-depth today whether the nation is ready. And South Korea has been eliminated from the World Baseball Classic. We look back at where it went wrong for Monday's Sports Roundup. We have all that and more on today's Crow 24. (music) North Korea continues to carry out provocations. The latest involves firing strategic cruise missiles from a submarine. On Monday, the regime announced the launch that was carried out on Sunday, but South Korea has questioned some of the details. For more on this story and our other headlines are from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Chair. Daniel, hello. Hello, little jungle. So, an underwater launch drill by North Korea. What details can you give us about the equipment used
4: and the possible message that the provocation conveys. Well, the North's official news agency KCNA said the drill was conducted early Sunday morning with A24 Yongung, Yongung submarine launching the missiles from Gyeongpo Bay in the East Sea, close to Shinpo where the north bases its submarines. The KCNA claimed the missile struck a target in the East Sea after flying a 1,500 kilometer distance along a figure eight flight path. The drill confirmed the reliability of the North's armed system and assessed the submarine units underwater to surface offensive operation readiness according to the regime and it called the units another integral part of the regime's nuclear deterrence It said the drill reasserted the military's unchanged stance on controlling and managing the current situation with overwhelming force adding that the anti-republic military activities by the u.s and south korea are becoming more conspicuous
3: Meanwhile, South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff found discrepancies in North Korea's claim about the test firing of the two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine. What discrepancies have they found?
4: Well, this is coming from the JCS spokesperson. He sung-jun told reporters on Monday that the South military does not believe the regime's claim is completely true. A military official said South Korean and U.S. military authorities are trying to determine if the regime was exaggerating, as Sunday's launch appears to be the early stages of a test launch. On the method used to fire the missiles, the official said authorities are looking into various possibilities, including a vertical launch and a launch using a torpedo tube. The JCS said the South Korea-U.S. combined Freedom Shield exercise will continue on schedule even in the face of such missile provocations. Zooming in on
3: that joint drill that kicked off on Monday for an 11-day run, can you help us paint a
4: clearer picture of what the Freedom Shield is all about? So this will reportedly be the largest all Washington combined drills in years – From Monday, Freedom Shield will be staged for 11 days, over 20 outdoor live exercises around the peninsula to check up on joint defense posture and to strengthen response capability. The exercise will incorporate real-life combat scenarios reflecting the changing security environment with advancing threats from North Korea's nuclear weapons and missiles. Coming off the joint crisis management exercise, a de facto rehearsal of the Freedom Shield exercise. The allies will skip the first stage of the drill, focusing on defense training to practice counterattacking and repelling scenarios as well as the stabilization of the north afterwards the drill will be larger in size and scope than in previous years effectively reviving field training exercises for the first time in five long years after being suspended under the moon Jae-in government the allies are also pushing for joint aircraft carrier training including the nuclear-powered USS Nimitz as well as a trilateral missile warning drill involving Japan
3: And that's not all. Coinciding with Freedom Shield, South Korea's Air Force will be carrying out its own drills
4: as well. That's right. The Air Force announced on Monday that major combat units will conduct daytime and nighttime sorties from Tuesday for 36 hours without a break to practice a strategy considered essential to winning a war by neutralizing enemy forces and preemptively seizing air supremacy. The Air Force will run drills on contingency procedures for the timely supply of ammunition, the emergency restoration of damaged airstrips and responses to terrorist attacks using chemical, biological and radioactive weapons. Let's turn now to another key headline from today. The three
3: surviving victims of Japan's wartime forced labor who won a damages suit against Japanese firms have officially refused Seoul's plan to compensate them through
4: donations collected from domestic companies. So what more can you tell us? Well, according to the legal counsel on Monday, survivors Yang Geum-dok and Kim Songju delivered certified mail to the Interior Ministry's Foundation for Victims of Force Mobilization by Imperial Japan responsible for paying the compensation. The documents request the foundation not proceed with the remittance as a third-party compensation does not legally satisfy the victims Supreme Court confirmed receivables against the two Japanese firms. The third victim, Yi Chun Shik, also sent a similar document to the foundation through his legal representative. The government's plan announced last week concerns 15 victims whose legal cases have won a compensation order from the top court back in 2018. In fact,
3: Yang Duck, one of the forced labor victims that you mentioned, expressed her opposition in person
4: during a visit to the National Assembly. That's right. Standing as a witness to the Parliamentary Foreign Affairs Committee on Monday, the 94-year-old survivor said she wants to tell the president to resign. When asked if she is willing to receive compensation from the government, she said she will never receive such money even if she starves to death. The ruling People Power Party members sitting on the committee boycotted Monday's session, which they claimed was abruptly convened ahead of President Yoon's trip to Japan later this week. The main opposition Democratic Party unilaterally opened the session to denounced the government's plan, which it claimed was announced without any regard for the victims or public opinion. The DP called to seek a parliamentary resolution condemning the plan and to hold to account the president or the foreign minister for denying the 2018 Supreme Court rulings that ordered liable Japanese firms to compensate the victims against the separation of three powers. Meanwhile, President
3: Yoon Sung-yeol reportedly said that the government's solution to the issue of compensation for victims of Japan's wartime forced labor was implementing his election pledge and his decision for the future. Can you expand a bit more on what he said?
4: Well, Tango, the top office disclosed the remarks Yoon made at the end of a cabinet meeting last Tuesday. Yoon reportedly told participants that from early days of taking office, he ordered the foreign ministry to produce ways to resolve the issue. And the government has finally made a decision on the matter through twists and turns. Yoon said during his presidential campaign, the key of his foreign policy committ- com- commitments rather, was strengthening U.S. extended deterrence, upholding the spirit of a 1998 joint declaration adopted by then-President Kim Dae-jung and then-Japanese Prime Minister Keizo Obuchi and pursuing future-oriented Korea-Japan relations. Yun reportedly told the ministers that he made it clear from the beginning that it was urgent to resolve the forced labor issue and vitalize economic security and Cultural exchanges between South Korea and Japan, stressing that he fulfilled this election pledge.
3: Let's run through some other headlines now. The National Pension Service is mulling ways to handle its shares in the Silicon Valley Bank Financial Group and Signature Bank following the collapse of the two U.S. banks, a major headline in the U.S. over the weekend. Can you tell us more?
4: The NPS said on Monday that it is keeping a close eye on the two banks' collapse and vowed efforts to minimize losses. According to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the NPS declared 100,759 shares in the SVB Financial Group and in the holding company of SVB as of the end of last December. The value of the holdings stood at some $362 billion, won, or nearly $280 million U.S. million, as the end of 2021, to account for 0.77 of the SVB Financial Group's total shares. However, the percentage reportedly decreased since the end of 2021, the NPS also was found to hold shares in Signature Bank, with the value of its investment standing at $6.2 billion one as of the end of 2021, or around 0.03% of the bank's total shares. Hybe, the global K-pop
3: powerhouse and producer of the superstar group BTS, announced this decision to halt its bid to take over rival industry giant SM Entertainment.
4: So what's the latest here? This is coming from them through a press release on Sunday. Hive said it will discontinue the acquisition process of SM in an agreement with social media giant Kakao. It made the decision after observing signs of overheating in the market due to the competition with Kakao and its entertainment unit, Kakao Entertainment. Hive said that Kakao and Kakao Entertainment will have management control over SM Entertainment, while Hive will cooperate with Kakao in the platform business. Kakao will continue to buy the shares of SM through March 26 as planned. The dramatic deal came after a weeks-long battle between Hybe and Kakao. And finally,
3: the government is set to review lifting the indoor mask mandate on public transit this week. Can you tell us more?
4: According to Tong gi the chief advisor on infectious diseases on Monday, the matter will be discussed during a meeting of the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasures Headquarters on Wednesday. The government sought opinions from the Nation's Infectious Disease Advisory Committee on the acceptability of suspending the mandate on public transit considering the current pandemic situation. A majority of committee members gave a positive response setting up the government to make a final decision and make an announcement. Chung expects the mandate to soon be lifted on public transportation but advised those at high risk for infections or at high risk facilities to continue to wear masks. That wraps up our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thanks for having me.
3: In late January, South Korea dropped its COVID-19 mask mandate for all locations except high-risk facilities such as public transport and hospitals. The government is now reportedly considering easing these rules as well. Meanwhile, South Korean health authorities also warned recently that new infectious diseases like COVID-19 will occur more frequently in the future. To get a diagnosis of where we are in the fight against the pandemic, we have joining us on the line now Dr. Alice Tan, an internist at Ms. Medi Women's Hospital in Seoul, who has been a regular guest for us throughout the pandemic. Dr. Tan, hello and welcome back to the show.
5: Hello, thank you for having me.
3: Now, the daily case count today was just under 4,200, and it was the third Monday in a row that the case count stood in the 4,000 range. It's a significant decline from the height of the latest wave uh, we saw towards the end of last year and the start of this year. What is your assessment of the current COVID-19 situation in South Korea? Is the latest wave over and what factors have led to that?
5: Well, fortunately, as you mentioned, the COVID situation continues to improve. So for three weeks in a row now, we've seen the number of new COVID deaths per week stay below 100 New COVID hospital admissions are also downtrending. But for both of these two metrics, so hospital admissions and deaths, the percentage improvement week on week has seemingly plateaued. The improvements are likely due to the immunity wall that has been built up in the community from vaccination and also prior infection, and also due to the use of Paxlovid. Also uh, important is the absence of a completely new SARS-CoV-2 variant uh, that could have evaded our defenses. Fortunately, we haven't seen a new variant or subvariant in that category. And finally, although the mask mandate has been lifted in most all settings, Uh, Many people in South Korea continue to wear a high-quality face mask in public. It's hard to quantify the degree to which this is playing a part in the improved metrics, but certainly wearing a KF94 mask does decrease the transmission of droplet-borne viruses. So uh, I don't think it's harming, but um, I'm not sure exactly to what degree it's helping our situation.
3: Right, I see. So there has been a slowdown and now at a plateau and perhaps the fact that uh, even though we don't have to wear masks in most settings, uh, many people in Korea are still wearing them. Uh, Amid (laughs) this situation, uh, the government is considering easing some uh, more uh, remaining antivirus measures. Uh, That's the indoor mask mandate that remains in place in certain areas such as public transport and hospitals. And the other is the seven day quarantine requirement for those who have been infected as well. The government is set to announce its decision on Wednesday. Dr. Tan, do you think it's perhaps the right time to drop these restrictions now?
5: Uh, you know, the question of timing is complicated. It's hard to say. But if I were a hospital administrator at a private hospital, even if the government mandate for wearing a mask inside the hospital were lifted, I would still require all people to wear a mask in my private hospital. Mm. Uh, and this would be to protect all of the high-risk, vulnerable patients who are in crowded outpatient settings and open ward ICUs in the hospital. Right now, the seven-day average daily number of new COVID deaths in South Korea is 11 deaths per day. I'd love to see this number go down to zero. 11 deaths per, per day means approximately uh, 4,000 deaths per year, which would make COVID even at this level the 11th leading cause of death in South Korea. You know, if we were to stay at this level, mm-hmm. um, there's so much that we do to prevent deaths due to the other top 10 causes, such as motor vehicle accidents and high blood pressure. We wouldn't say, "Hey, we're at 4,000 deaths per year." so let's stop wearing seatbelts. I mean, that that wouldn't make sense, right? And so I think keeping minimal common sense public health measures in place until the pandemic is completely over is a good idea, but that's just my opinion. Mm. Um, When you're sick with an infectious disease, you should stay at home. Uh, This is common sense, but in South Korea, this type of behavior is not really part of our culture, not part of our work culture, and so, uh, instead of asking people to do something that's against their culture, keeping it as a mandate might be helpful. But as I said, this is just my opinion.
3: Right, I see. Uh, Do you have a fear of a risk of resurgence of infections if the government does indeed go ahead with this decision?
5: So even though we do have an immunity wall, as I said, with each passing day, this immunity is likely waning. And the biggest risk, uh, if we were to have a resurgence, would be to the elderly, to anyone who is immunocompromised, and of course anyone who's unvaccinated. Um, they are at still they're still at high risk of severe disease and death due to COVID, even though we're three years out from the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, the rate of progression to severe disease or death. Um, This is from statistics uh, during the last month of last year. So that's during Omicron predominance
3: Mm. was
5: nearly 7% for people who are unvaccinated uh, and who are aged 75 years and over. That's still quite high. Uh, Also, many experts have pointed out that there's no guarantee that the virus will become less virulent with time. uh, Although this seems to be the trend. So there's no guarantee that if we have a resurgence, the virus will be you know, less uh, harmful, less deadly mm. than, the, than the previous variants. So um, it, we should do everything we can to avoid a resurgence. The WHO has also raised a very real concern that many healthcare workers around the world are burnt out. There are capacity shortages in the healthcare field right now in many parts of the world for a variety of reasons. So uh, we we should try to avoid a resurgence um, and do everything we can. Mm.
3: Well, in the meantime, with the case numbers going down and the uh, possible continued easing of restrictions, the question about how much the government should be subsidizing treatment has also been raised here in Korea. According to the National Health Insurance Service, it costs an average of 16 million won for critically ill COVID patients get treated last year. That's around 12,000 U.S. dollars. Currently, the government pays medical bills for patients who are treated for the virus in critical care. However, South Korea's chief advisor uh, on infectious diseases, doctor Chong gi said that when the country returns to normal completely, these patients are expected to pay 20% of the total amount for their treatment. Uh, so there are calls for the government to draw up a plan to help the financially uh, low-income groups How do you think the government should go about this issue?
5: So no person in any part of the world should have to decide between getting treated for an illness and paying for basic expenses due to an inability to pay. Uh, And this is especially true in South Korea, where we have universal health insurance, financial support for the lowest income groups makes sense in our country, but we should also consider perhaps conditional financial support for other people in other uh, financial brackets for their hospital bills related to COVID, just as we have a similar program in place for preventable cancers. In other words, if you're not up to date on routine, routine cancer screening, yet become you become hospitalized due to a preventable cancer, The amount of coverage for your hospital bills will be less than for a person who has been responsible and taken all of the recommended screening tests. So perhaps we can say, you know, if a person without contraindications has chosen not to receive COVID vaccination and then requires hospitalization because they get COVID and become very seriously ill, perhaps the amount of coverage under health insurance for the hospital bill um, could be could be different compared to a person mm. who has been responsible and gotten all their vaccinations. But this would be for people who are above that lowest uh, income bracket.
3: Well, this is something that the government will announce in more detail down the line. Uh, Dr Tan, it's been over three years since the COVID-19 pandemic began. But are we finally possibly nearing the end of the pandemic?
5: Uh, Yeah, that's the $6 million question, and I've been very reluctant to give any predictions. And, you know, all of the experts are are sort of sleeping with one eye open still. In other words, Hmm. certainly we're at an inflection point. uh, The situation has improved throughout the world and also in our country. But as has been said many times over, no one is completely safe until we are all safe. And there are still many corners of the world where people have not been vaccinated, where we do not know what's going on epidemiologically. For example, our neighbor to the north, North Korea, we don't know what's going on there. Uh, there's a country, Turkmenistan, which is not too far from uh, South Korea. Also, we it's a complete black hole in terms of information as to what's going on with COVID. And then there are hotspots that the WHO has identified recently uh, in terms of COVID activity and COVID deaths. So, yes, we are in a much better position than we have been for the last year, year and a half. But I I don't think it's quite the time to say that the green light for all is safe Mm. uh, should be signaled quite yet.
3: Okay, so we need to remain cautious for now, you're saying. Uh, Meanwhile, health authorities in South Korea have recently said that new infectious diseases like COVID-19 will emerge more frequently in the future. Uh, What do you make of this prediction?
5: I completely agree. And, And many infectious disease experts and public health experts are in the same position. Um, We do need to have an all-hazard response plan uh, in our government just in case there is another emerging uh, pathogen of pandemic potential. Uh, What this means is we need to have a funding and coordination plan in place for what to do immediately if we notice another emerging pathogen. And the uh, risk is increased because of climate change, because of overdevelopment, overcrowding. Uh, There's also uh, antimicrobial resistance, which is a very real phenomenon that is going on around the world. And so many uh, experts say it's not a question of if or whether there will be another pandemic. It's a question of when Mm. and will we be ready.
3: Well, you mentioned a uh, possible government all-hazard response plan. Health authorities are expected to announce in May it's a mid- to long-term plan to prepare for future infectious disease outbreaks. What can the government do to deal uh, with this situation? Any advice you would like to give to the authorities? What lessons have we learned over the past three years?
5: Right. I think the biggest lesson is uh, no matter how great your plan is, if it's not exercised and, uh, you know, you do drills on a periodic basis, periodic basis to make sure that it can be executed in a timely and effective manner, it doesn't matter. In other words, a plan that's on the shelf that isn't exercised is worthless. And so I think making sure that we have a good plan that's thorough, well thought out, but also that we exercise this plan and make sure that it can be rolled out effectively is very important. And then the other issue is communication and making sure that we have a good communication uh, uh, mechanism in place that deals not with uh, proper messaging, but making sure that we have uh, guardrails that protect against misinformation. And then lastly, coordination of this effort uh, on a global level, of course, is very important because with the pandemic, It's not just what happens within our borders. Of course, what happens around the world will impact us. And so making sure that everyone is safe is very important.
3: On that note, we'll leave it there. We've been speaking to Dr. Alice Tan from Ms. Medi Women's Hospital. Thank you once again for your time today.
5: Thank you.
0: Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 16.01 points, or 0.67 percent on Monday, to close the day at 2,410.60. The tech-heavy KOSDAQ also rose, gaining 0.29 points, or 0.04 percent, to close at 788.89. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 22.41 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,301.81. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. We continue on now to
3: Korea Trending, our daily segment, where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online. And for that, we have joining us in the studio now our contributor, Walter Lee. Walter, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, jang It's always good to see you. Okay, let's jump straight into our stories, starting with one about another fire. Can you tell us more?
6: Yeah, so the main fire at a tire factory in Daejeon was brought under control about 13 hours after a massive blaze broke out. Now, the blaze occurred at Hankook Tire Factory in the city's uh, Dedok district at around 10.10pm on Sunday. Around 150 vehicles, 700 firefighters and 9 helicopters were dispatched to combat the fire. Okay, well, anyone hurt in the fire first? Well, a total of 11 people, including fire one firefighter, were transported to a hospital. Now, 10 factory workers were hospitalized due to smoke inhalation, while the firefighter injured his ankle. All 11 have been sent home. It is believed that the blaze began in a tire-curing machine and has destroyed some 400,000 tires stored at the factory. Now, authorities plan to determine the exact cause of the blaze after it is completely extinguished. Now, production at the factory in Daejeon has been suspended until further notice. Well, thankfully, there was no one seriously hurt, but it was a
3: huge fire, one that uh, went into the early hours of this morning. Uh, I heard that the fire
6: caused traffic disruptions as well. Yeah, it did. So given the proximity of the factory to expressways and railways, the pass through Dajon operations of trains were suspended and major road sections were closed amid fears the fire could spread. But with the main blaze being contained, trains are operating normally and some sections on the Seoul Busan Expressway are open both ways as usual. Now, Four middle and high schools near the fire-stricken factory decided to close for the day or hold classes online. Yes, residents and apartments
3: nearby were even forced to evacuate as well as smoke found its way into their buildings. Thankfully, uh, I believe the main fire, as you said, is out now, but I'm sure the authorities will be looking further into what happened exactly. Okay, let's uh, move on to our next story. What do you have for us?
6: Yeah, so Ahn Kilho, the director of the popular South Korean Netflix series, The Glory, has admitted to claims that he had bullied people when he was in high school and issued an apology. Now, in a statement released through his lawyers on Sunday, Ahn said he is deeply sorry for causing pain to the victims and hopes to convey his apology if the opportunity is provided. Now, according to the statement, Ahn had a younger girlfriend who went to middle school when he was in high school, seeing he was a high school senior in the Philippines in 1996 it also stated that he got emotional and hurt the uh, and hurt the victims after hearing that the group had made fun of his girlfriend for going out with an older student right this was uh, a very unsettling news
3: as the smash hit show the glory was about school bullying and the effects
6: of it Uh, when did the allegations against anne first emerge so last friday which is actually the same day part two of the glory was released now an anonymous post made online claimed that anne brought a group of friends and beat up the writer of the post and their friend for making fun of his then girlfriend the person who made the post said anne has a lot of nerve to direct a series about a woman seeking revenge against those who bullied her at school Now, on the day of the allegations surfaced, the director had denied them, saying he had no memory of hitting the students. When asked about what led him to make an apology two days after denying the allegations, the director said he decided to apologize after going over what had happened with his high school friends, Endless Times. Have these allegations affected the release of the second part of the series at all? No, it doesn't look like it. So Netflix said that The Glory will not be removed from the streaming platform and that currently there are no discussions about its removal taking place. Also, according to the online video streaming service Flix Patrol, the series placed second in the top TV shows of Netflix category as of March 12th.
3: Yes, there have been some people coming to Anne's defence saying that what he was involved in was assault rather than sustained bullying. Mm. And this might have tempered the backlash somewhat, muddying the waters anyway. But of course, uh, no amount of violence in schools uh, should be condoned. And this incident has tarnished what would have been a landmark series uh, for the producer.
6: Okay, let's uh, move on to our final story for today. What else has been trending? Yeah, so presenter and travel writer Son Mina has received Spain's Order of Civil Merit. Now, according to her agency, Ujurox Entertainment, Son was awarded the honor by Spain's ambassador to South Korea, Guillermo Kirkpatrick, on behalf of King Felipe VI at the Spanish Embassy in Seoul on Monday. Now, Kirkpatrick said Son has realized true to civil diplomacy, citing that she not only promoted the country and its language in South Korea, but also played a crucial role in helping Spanish ambassadors deepen their understanding of Korea. I understand that the order she received is the highest honour that can be bestowed on a civilian. Yeah, that's correct. So the order recognises the civic virtue of officers in public service as well as extraordinary service by Spanish and foreign citizens for the benefit of Spain. Now, Ambassador Kirkpatrick said by bestowing the order, Spain and the king have recognized Hon's contribution to strengthening and advancing South Korea and Spain's friendship and ties as a journalist, writer and opinion leader. Now, in response to receiving the honor, Hon said she is honored and thrilled to be receiving such a special award, oh sorry, a special order while vowing to continue to contribute to civil diplomacy. She said her past experience have shown that two countries can experience many remarkable things when they engage in close friendship. Yes, Son is actually someone that we've had on the
3: show before, back in 2020 for yep. Touchbase and Seoul. Uh, but for our listeners who may not be
6: familiar, can you tell us a little bit more about her? Yeah, sure. So Son is a former KBS announcer and is also a best selling author, having published 13 books. She is regarded to be a leading Spanish expert, having majored in Spanish language and literature at Korea University. She also has translated a Spanish novel into Korean. She was named Public Relations Ambassador for Spain in 2006. Well, huge congratulations to her. That's all the time we have for today's career trending
3: thank you for those stories Walter and we'll see you next time see you next time next up it's Monday's sports roundup our weekly updates on the major sporting headlines from Korea for that, this week, we have a new guest contributor joining us today. I'm delighted to welcome Park Kang-hyun, sports reporter for the Joseon Ilbo newspaper. He is here with us in the studio. Mr Park, hello and thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Oh, Thank you, sir. I'm very delighted to be here. Yes, it's
3: a pleasure to have you with us. I understand that you are a baseball expert and that is unfortunately where we are going to have to start our roundup today. The Korean national team has been eliminated from the World Baseball Classic Tournament. This comes after South Korea collected just one win and two losses in their first three games in Pool B, and after Australia picked up their win, the win they needed against the Czech Republic earlier today. Perhaps because you are a baseball expert, this might be particularly painful for you, but can you walk us through what happened?
1: Um, Yes, uh, this is a very painful news and... I'm very sad to be the one uh, giving the updates, but um, Korea lost to Australia 7-8 last Thursday, Um, and then to Japan 4-13 on Friday. Um, However, Korea managed to pick up its first win of the tournament against the Czech Republic 7-3 yesterday. Uh, However, um, this all became... Uh, Bluntly said, useless. Mm. Um, But before the tournament, Korea uh, was aiming for the semifinals, actually. Um, Korea was determined to make it out of the pool tournament and first advance to the quarterfinals with three wins uh, against Australia, the Czech Republic, and China, and one loss against Japan. This was the scenario that they had written Um, And this idea at first seemed feasible. Mm. Um, However, this plan was twisted uh, after their narrow defeat uh, to Australia in their first game. And the loss against Japan, uh, one of the favorites to win this tournament, was definitely not a surprise. But um, the disappointing part was that Korea was overwhelmed even after scoring first. And holding a 3-0 lead at one time. Mm. Um, the pitchers lost command of their balls late in the game. Uh, just could not find the strike zones. And gave up the loss rather easily. And mm. manager Lee Kang-chol said the Japanese game was a struggle throughout the whole game. Um, Japan right now clinched the top spot in Pool B with four wins. while Australia came in behind with three wins and one loss. Um, And the final game between Korea and China, uh, again said bluntly, will be a rather meaningless game because the result will not change any of the outcomes regarding the tickets to the quarterfinals.
3: Yes, uh, the game against Japan was a struggle to say the least. But as we highlighted last week, it was that uh, first game against Australia that was key. That was a must-win game. And after that loss, it was always going to be an uphill struggle. And it has become another chastening WBC for Korea. Another chasing defeat on the international stage as well after Korea struggled desperately at the Olympics in 2021 as well. So The question on all Korean baseball fans' minds is... What went wrong for Korea and where does Korea go from here?
1: Yes, um, I don't really know where to begin, but um, this is actually the third straight time after 2013 and 2017 that Korea uh, has been kicked out of the WBC in round one. Um, we made it to the semis in 2006 and were even the runner up in 2009. Um, this is a rather uh, surprising defeat and mm-hmm. it's it's a roller roller coaster performance really by the baseball team and Although my criticisms and evaluations may be simply based on the results, my um personal thoughts, my personal takes on this lackluster performance is first the uh, there were many problems with the pitchers on the first hand mm. um, there were very few pitchers uh, that had strong command confidence in their balls Um, and this was really evident during the game against japan um, especially from the fifth inning um, to the seventh inning where korea lost majority of the points Um, there were a total of seven pitchers and the seven pitchers gave up five base on balls Mm. and even a one dead ball which is a ball that's thrown to uh, the player Mm -hmm. and There were even forced in-runs during this time. And these uh, really do not occur often in professional baseball. Right, And many commentators at the time were collectively uh, saying that this should not happen in national team uniforms. And the pitcher problems were actually somewhat predicted because um, these players were not able to practice enough. Uh, during their spring camp training in the States sure. um, due to inclement weathers. Mm. Um, and their inbound flight was even delayed at one time, which probably definitely affected their conditions. Sure, the preparation and, wasn't the perfect uh, yes, situation. Yes. And, and another problem was that the baseball that the pitchers had to use in this tournament was very different from the ones normally used in the KBO. Um, the baseball used in this tournament is a bit more slippery. And this is mm. a term that was used by one of the players. Um, it's a bit slippery. And the seams that the players hold on to are not as protruded. Right. Which okay. means that their command definitely could be affected. And
3: So there were perhaps mitigating circumstances, but uh, I'm sure this will be the same for every team. Yes.
1: But then what can be done now? Yes. Um, so, I mean, there shouldn't be any excuses, really, because every hmm. team was under the same condition. And I I think the KBO and the Korean Baseball Association will now have a lot to discuss um, based on these disappointing results. True. And what I can say is that I think the baseball team really uh, needs to have more International friendly matches, Mm. just like the ones in soccer. Mm. Um, I think because so far, right now, the baseball teams really do not have any of these international friendly matches where they can go up against uh, some of the best teams in the world and sort of go through uh, their whole performance and check their conditions. Yeah. Um. And I think the KBO and the KBA really should come up with some of those plans. Sure. And right now the korean baseball league uh the teams have a cap uh, regarding foreign players mm. the teams can only have up to three foreign players in their teams right um but i think relieving this cap could also be one of the topics of discussion because uh more sure. uh, better, as more uh foreign players get into the league i think there will be more competitions mm. that could be fostered among the players. So I think these discussions will all come up at one point. There's a lot that uh, South Korean baseball
3: will be asking itself. In the meantime, uh, there is still one more group game, one more pool game to play. They are currently in action against China. Hopefully they can salvage some pride there. Let's move on to football, where it was thankfully a better weekend for korea stars in the premier league hwang Chan scored his first goal in the league this season for wolverhampton wanderers it was a Huang's first league goal in fact since last year in february so mr park he has finally gotten his goal then
1: yes um Huang came off the bench in the 69th minute and then scored within just one minute <laughs> to tie the game at one one Um, Huang had actually been sitting out for more than a month so far um, after injuring his hamstring during a home match against Liverpool last month. And like you said, it was his first goal of the season. Uh, The last time Huang actually scored in the league was more than a year ago during an away game at Arsenal that took place on February 25th of last year. Mm. Um, However, despite Huang's effort, um, Wolverhampton lost one to two uh, after allowing a goal on the 79th minute. Um, Wolverhampton is now in the 13th place out of 20 teams uh, in the English Premier League. Meanwhile, Sonny, Tottenham Hotspur's
3: heung Min was also on the score sheet this week and he is closing in on his 100th goal in the English Premier League, right?
1: Yes, um, Sonny finally um, made the start starting roster hmm. and scored his sixth goal in the league during the 62nd minute of the match against Nottingham Forest yesterday. Um, he seized a cross from Richarlison on the right edge of the box, took a touch, and then finished it off with his left foot. Uh, the Spurs won 3-1. to one. They're currently in the fourth place in the EPL, and... Like you said, this was his 99th goal in the Premier League. Um, Sonny joined the Spurs back in 2015, um, and so far he has made twenty two hundred and fifty seven 257 appearances during his eight seasons with the team, um, where he has netted 90 times, 99 times with 49 assists. Um, Sonny will aim for his 100th goal um, on the 19th against Southampton.
3: And one more to mention, golden boy Lee Gangin also added to the goal show in Spain. Can you tell us more?
1: Yes, um, Lee Gangin, who is currently in Mallorca, um, scored a tying goal against Real Sociedad in the 50th minute yesterday. Um, Lee grabbed a heading pass uh, while the defender John Pacheco stumbled, slipped by the goalkeeper and pushed it in easily with his right foot. Um, The game ended 1-1 with Lee's goal, and Mallorca is currently in the 10th place in the Primera Liga. And all of these three players that we've mentioned, uh, Wang, Sonny, and Lee, has made the 26-men national football team roster for the upcoming friendly match um, against Colombia and Uruguay, Mm. set to take place uh, next week uh, in Ulsan and Seoul. And I think, and these will be the debuting matches of Jürgen Klinsmann, sure. um, who has took uh, the lead as the head coach of the Korean national football team, um, on hmm. the February twenty seventh. Yes, as expected, Klinsmann has mostly stuck with the squad that he
3: went to, that went to the Qatar World Cup. The only change is left back Iki J replacing Hong Chul. And uh, those two games coming up against uh, Colombia and Uruguay were taking place on the 24th and 28th, respectively. OK, that is where we're going to leave it for Monday sports roundup. We've been speaking to sports reporter Park Kang-hyun from the Chosun Ilbo. Mr Park, thank you once again for coming to the studio today to give us the updates.
1: Uh, thank you very much for having me.
7: Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explorer Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24.
3: We finish up with our closing segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features and reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers. And for that, we have joining us in the studio now our staff editor, Richard Larkin. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you too. Okay. so
2: what's the first story that you have for us today? First, we'll talk about Kim Dussel's article in the Entertainment section of The Korea Herald. The article is about the Korean Cultural Centre in Washington's upcoming exhibition on South Korean animation and literature. Titled K-Animation with Literature, the cultural centre and the animation production firm Meditation with a Pencil will jointly hold the event from March 24th to December 29th. Yes, a K animation
3: perhaps hasn't seen the same success as Korean dramas, movies and music in recent years. Right. Uh, they have usually been the spotlight more so this is a welcome opportunity to highlight Korean animation. Uh, what animations will be displayed at
2: the exhibition then? So it is an interesting mix of animations that are based on well-known Korean literary works so visitors will learn about the Korean animation and novels at the same time. There will be five films altogether. They include The Shower, based on the novel by Hwang Soon Won, When Book Wheat Flowers Bloom, based on a novel by Yi Hyo Suk, and A Lucky Day, based on a novel by Hyun Jung Gun. As well as watching the films, the visitors will be able to learn about who made the animations, and how they were made. And understand there will be some special events as well. There is. On March 24th, the opening day of the exhibition, Animation film director Ahn Chae-hoon will discuss his film The Shaman Sorceress after it is screened. So visitors who go on the opening day will get an extra treat. It is worth noting that the whole exhibition will be held for free.
3: Okay, so that's at the Korean Cultural Centre in Washington. Uh, what's the next article that you have for us?
2: Next is Kwon Yu's article in the National Section of the Korea Times. It's about the Cambodian Embassy in Korea's event in Myeongdong to celebrate Cambodia's National Culture Day. It was held last Saturday and anyone was able to attend. Okay,
3: that sounds interesting. Can you tell us about the country's uh, National Culture Day and
2: what it celebrates? Sure. The holiday commemorates Cambodian ancestors who sacrificed their lives to create, preserve and protect the country's heritage for future generations. It is held every year on March 3rd and embassies around the world often put on events as well to raise awareness about its people, its culture and its tourism. This year, the embassy in Korea held its event on Saturday so that Koreans and Cambodians can attend. Visitors could try on traditional clothing, sample delicious food and enjoy traditional and modern performances.
3: Okay, so it seems like there were many things that visitors
2: could try uh, and learn about. Right. But it also seems like food was the main attraction, though. At least that's (laughs) what I read from the article. A number of dishes were served, including Cambodian rice noodles topped with fish curry, chicken curry with rice noodles and banana sticky rice. (laughs) At the end, at the event, the ambassador of Cambodia to Korea said that relationships between people can become closer through food. She added that she hopes more Korean people would visit Cambodia because it's a beautiful country with a lot of things to see and a lot of things to do. Yes,
3: I'm getting hungry thinking about <laughs> it, as usual on this segment. Uh, we're going to end it there. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of today's edition of Career24. Tomorrow we have another special interview for Touch Basin's Hole, along with our regular news updates analysis. So we hope you can join us again for that. In the meantime, we hope you have a great day. I've been your host, Kwon jang And thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.
7: CBS World Radio offers all you need to know on Korea through its various programs. Tune into One Fine Day with Lena Park and join the K-pop diva for two fine hours every weekday. Are you into the latest K-pop tracks? Then K-pop Connection is your fix. Brian Ju brings you the best of K-pop and K-culture. On Korea 24, host Kwon Jang-ho helps listeners digest all the biggest stories coming out of South Korea. Keep up with what's happening on the peninsula by listening to Korea 24. Learn about Korean folktales on Mondays with Global Audiobook, Once Upon a Time in Korea. If you're a bookworm, don't miss Books on Demand, a program that introduces Korean literature to the global audience every Tuesday. Our Wednesday program, Korea Today and Tomorrow, provides news on the latest diplomatic developments in and around the Korean peninsula. Want to go deeper than K-pop? Sounds of Korea takes a closer look at various traditional music every Thursday. KBS World Radio is your go to channel for all things Korea. Tune in.
8: KBS World Radio strives to promptly update our listeners on safety procedures during emergency situations. The following are recommended guidelines to follow in case of high levels of fine dust. Before going outside, check the air quality by visiting online resources or checking your local weather forecast. When the level of fine dust is high, avoid outdoor activities such as hiking, biking or field sports. Wear protective gear such as masks, glasses and hats. Close your windows, doors and dry your laundry inside. Wash your face often and make sure to also blow your nose regularly. If you have to leave your home try to use public transportation in order to reduce air pollution. Take a shower after returning home to avoid skin irritation and rinse your sinuses if possible. Before preparing food wash your hands and make sure to wash fruit and vegetables thoroughly before eating them. Please check our website at world.kbs.co.kr for up-to-date information and procedures.
4: ABS World Radio.